So Sarah, there's been a lot of news coming out about the Outspoken Conference, and I assume you aren't sleeping very much. (laughs) I do have a lot of work on the go, Kelly. I have to say I am a little overwhelmed. But before, I'm not saying that for sympathy. So before people email me and tell me how amazing I am, I'm not looking. <laughs> like, don't email me because I'm tired and I don't, don't want to read your email. <laughs> right. I'm not looking for sympathy. It's like life goes up and down and I'm kind of overwhelmed today. So I thought like I just wanted to give our audience a heads up on that. And I also feel like we should maybe come up with like some kind of secret code. So if my mind goes blank at any point and you see me just looking off into the middle distance because we're on video right now then we're going to, we need some kind of coping technique. Okay. Do you want me to use what we did at swim run? You want me just to yell, we're doing this. We're doing it. Sure. Whenever that happens. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Like at swim run when we were <laughs> to tell right, each other. We're swimming. Yeah. It's happening. We're swimming now. It's happening. <laughs> we had to do everything at the same time. Okay. That's good. That's okay. Good. So it's happening. It's happening. The conference is happening. The conference is happening. So we basically have finalized our speaker and presenter list and we had a final announcement today. So Julie Moss amazing. I shouldn't have to tell our audience who Julie Moss is. If you don't know, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who Julie Moss is? Julie Moss, for anyone who's been living under a rock, collapsed right near the finish line in 1982 when the race was on Oahu. And basically the media went all over it. And so the race at that time went from like a tiny little race where not many people did it to a big media spectacle and got. Because it was on ABCY World of Sports. Even like my parents remember... ABC Y Rule of Sports watching it. And I actually, we should include this in the show notes, the video. I YouTube Googled it last year and was watching it and I got all choked up, even though I know what happens. So we should include in the show notes the video. The video. So okay. everybody can cry a little bit. I will. Okay. I'll include the video of Julie Moss in the show notes. And so my co-founder, Lisa Ingerfield, talked to Julie Moss on the phone. Um, we found out she's totally on the same page, a bit of a feminist about women in triathlon. And we're excited to have her speak at the summit. Kirsten Sinema, who is a congresswoman from Arizona, from, I think, the district that the summit yeah, is in. Yeah, she's like Tempe. Phoenix, Tempe. She's cool, too. I've talked to her a few times. She knows her shit. Yeah, she does. And she's, um, she just got through the primaries, and she's now running for Senate. So she may be, fingers crossed, senator by the time she comes to speak. <laughs> you just want that so you'd be like, senator. I know. I just want to be able to say, we have a senator speaking at our summit. Um, and then one of my faves, Sally Edwards, who is in her 70s now. She's been in the sport since the beginning. She She's an entrepreneur. She's a serial entrepreneur. She was involved in the Danskin series, which I think was the first Yeah, women's. she told me about it, how she used to be, because she was a pro, but then she would volunteer to be the last person to finish. So that there was nobody who had to be last. I remember this. She told oh, me about this. I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Very, yeah. yeah. I think it's hilarious. And she also wrote the first triathlon book for women. Now she works on heart rate monitors that are to try to get kids active, like give people biofeedback as a way to um, encourage and motivate them. So this is kind of a cool thing that she's doing. I think it's called Heart Zones. Anyway, we love her and she is also going to be on one of our panels. Um, And that's like in addition to the other people we already announced, you know, Meredith Kessler, opening keynote, Rachel Joyce. We've got Angela Gorin, who's an Olympic rower. Kelly O'Mara is going to be. Oh, yeah. I'm right up there with the Olympic rowers. Yeah. Yeah. And Stacey Sims, of course, the nutritionist and exercise physiologist that we all know and love. So I'm actually feeling quite grateful for all these women who are kind of supporting us and sharing their voices. And so, yeah, there you go. It should be fun. Uh, I actually, I was going to say I booked a ticket, but I didn't totally book a ticket, but I will 
I have, I'm half booked, Sarah. I will be there. Okay. Good to hear. <laughs> also, my plug before we, before we move on with the show, the website is outspokensummit.com and you can get all the info there and you can also register there. But coming up on this show, Kelly and I are going to talk about the 70.3 World Champs coverage, changes in Kona slot allegation. Who knew? What do we do with all the tourists? Nike and Colin Kaepernick. And at what age are you your best athlete? Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So, Kelly... One of our big sponsors has come back for 2018, 2019. Can you guess who it is? Who is it? Who is it? <laughs> You're on the edge of your seat, right? It better be, it better be Crave because Steve, my husband, has been are, bothering me for more boxes of Crave. Well, Steve is in luck <laughs> because he's going to get his Crave jerky. Yeah, you guys, Crave jerky has come back to sponsor us again. Um, our code for this podcast is riding, R-I-D-I-N-G, at cravejerky.com. And they sell all kinds of different products, not just jerky. You can get, like we were talking before the show, I really like the kind of like bar shaped ones that are made out of turkey. I should know the name. <laughs> I was like, you just prefer them in bars, not strips. That's it's right. fine. I had the turkey. It's pretty good because I'm not like a huge beef, dried beef person. But yeah, they have all kinds of different things, different flavors. Yes. So thank you, Crave. Welcome back. Kelly, I, I understand that you watched the World 70.3 Championship. Everyone watched it. Two million people watched it, Sarah. Everyone minus you, I apparently. was at the fair. <laughs> well, lucky for you, it's on Facebook Live, so you can watch it anytime you want. Okay, tell it us was, your thoughts. Okay, so it was the first, like, Iron Man Now, you know, they announced, they kind of started this whole Facebook Live coverage thing a few months ago. I want to say, like, two or three and I haven't really watched a lot of it, partially because I was racing most of those weekends and partially like I just didn't care that much about some of the smaller races. But this one, I actually did watch their full coverage. And it's like, it's 2018, Sarah. I just watched Facebook on my TV and it was like an actual TV show that almost, almost, almost like an actual TV show. So it was, it was, it was your, it was the same as the Kona coverage in terms of, you know, video out there, drones, commentary, stats. It was almost a real goddamn sports event. Almost. <laughs> so you think they're doing a good job is what I hear yeah, you say. Yeah, it was good. And then um, on Sunday on the men's race, there was a lot of problems with the feed. It kept breaking up, which had to do, I guess, with the weather because it was rainy. So I was just like so optimistic. And then, oh, oh, <laughs> like, bump, bump. that's sad. Yeah. I mean, they can't do anything about 
that. They can. They can? Obviously, well, I'm just saying you can. Like, obviously, sports events happen in the world and we don't lose coverage in the middle of, like, the two people racing. It's possible. It's possible. But not given the way that their network is set up and how they're doing it. It's hard to get the feed from every place. Like, it's hard to make sure you have network connection from the entire course because the course is so big. This much I know even from doing our Live Feisty coverage that sometimes you plan to be somewhere on the course and the day before you went there and you had three bars and then you go the day of the race and you've got two bars and everyone's telling you it's patchy and we're really sorry, guys, but we're trying our best. I'm going to venture Mm -hmm. that Iron Man has more resources than you do. A few more, maybe. (laughs) And that money solves many problems. Just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Okay. But it was really good race. It was so good that when it started breaking up in the men's last part, as they were like racing, running down, I was like yelling at my TV. I was so angry because it was a really good race. The women wasn't shocking or anything. Daniela won. Lucy Charles was second. But it was a good, you know, it was a preview of how dominant... Daniela is and I'm super fascinated by Lucy Charles because she kind of I don't want to say came out of nowhere but I did see a picture of her winning the 18 to 24 age group at 70.3 worlds like three years ago so big jump yeah I mean I think that speaks to you I mean we're gonna talk about it later but at that age how fast you could improve it's crazy yeah and then the men's race was just insane Uh, I mean you've had all the heavyweights with Javi Gomez uh, Jan Ferdino Alistair Brownlee and then, you know, and then and then all the other people that right. are really good. And it was it was just really impressive. Like every one of them at some point got passed on the run and then came back. So like it was it was like a study in lessons you should learn about how to how to play this game, how to come back on people, how to like battle. Yeah, I'll never forget, actually, when Sarah True, then Groff, got dropped off the pack in I think it was in London at Re- the Olympics. And she was because it never happens. Rarely happens in triathlon, right? Where right. if you get dropped off that running pack, you're gone, right? But she clawed her way back into the pack. Um, I'll never forget that because I mean, we all know how it feels to be running in a triathlon, and you really, if someone overtakes you, usually they're running faster than you. And they yeah, just usually they're you. running faster than you. Yeah, and they just overtake you, and that's it because your pace is kind of set, right? So to have those extra gears and to be able to find the pain tolerance to catch back up and then run with them is very I mean it was uh yeah Brownlee took off and even I was like oh it's over no one's gonna catch him poor Ferdino it's done he's gotten past and then he came back and then Brownlee was going through a bad spot and every and like Javi passed him and then Javi stopped and then Brownlee repassed it it was just like oh man it was crazy so I also appreciated that Javi Gomez also has side stitches because that used to torment me in races. I used to like not be able to, I'd be like walking and like shoving my hand under my ribs and he was doing the same thing. And I was like, Oh, see, we're the same. I can remember Peter Reed. If anyone remembers Peter Reed, who at one stage won the Ironman world championships, I think about three times, he used to say, you don't run with your stomach. Like if you got stitches or that. Yeah. And I always used to think that because if, like if something hurt that wasn't related to running, like you don't run with your whatever stomach in this case. Well, you should have told Javier Gomez. I know. If only I'd been there to shout that out. Only you'd been there. The one thing I did think was weird though, is I thought that they were going to switch days, the men and the women. I thought like last year, the women went first, men went second. So this year, men would go first, women would go second and would switch back and forth every year. I feel like I'm not the only one who thought that. 
But that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems because it's the same way next year. It seems the women are going to be on the first day every year and the men are going to be on the second day. It definitely should be the case. I mean, because we don't want it to seem that one race is more important than the other, nor do we want one race to have more spectators than the other. So it feels like it should swap. I, I would rather go first. But then I heard Holly Lawrence talking on the Iron Women podcast and she would rather go second. She doesn't like it being first. So it's like everyone's going to have one way they like. So it just doesn't make sense not to switch them. Like, I just don't know why you wouldn't go back and forth. I think they should. But I mean, on our podcast, we often give advice to Iron Man. So guys, Iron Man, FYI, if you're listening, are another another good idea from us. (laughs) Also, I understand that there weren't many women who started as many. Some women didn't show up well it or? wasn't just the women there weren't as many men that started in the pro field either i mean there's supposed to be 50 in each right like that's that's the deal there are 50 spots and somehow there's real like they don't it doesn't ever end up being totally 50 i think it was like 43 ish isn't it 50 plus them. the uh, the qualifiers yeah so it's it doesn't even end, for, end like up being 50 or something it ends up being in the 40s right? right like so it was like 43 and 45 or something like that on the start list mm-hmm. and then huge portions of them didn't start like dropped out before the race like weren't even there you know like just decided they had other priorities they were hurt they were going to focus on their kona bill they couldn't make the trip whatever and it was only 29 women who started and maybe 34 men or something like that which i think is super annoying like super fucking annoying i can't like i i know obviously the best people were still there the top end of the race is still very competitive i get that it's deep i just think it's kind of dick to take a spot from somebody else and then like not bother to show up just because you like didn't feel like okay on one hand i think it's kind of it's smart in a way to not show up because after top 10, there's not a lot of incentive to fly. Right. I get that. I get that. Like the people who are like really good, but they're not going to win, but they are be like 10th or 11th. Just don't, there are, there are reasons why they wouldn't, but don't take the goddamn spot right. then. Right. So you're saying decide, be a professional and decide earlier. This is what you're saying. I just think it, I just think it, it's, it's, it's mean. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a fancier word. I think it's I just don't like it. I think it looks bad. I think it like hurts, obviously, the sport when other people can't do it, when it like cheapens the idea. I do think this problem is going to get worse because now under this system, you at least had later to decide because there was the whole roll down in the points True. under the system moving forward for 2019. You have to decide at the race. So I can't fault people then for taking the spot at the race. Of course, you're going to take it because you don't know what you're doing a year from now. And you'd rather have the spot in hand than not. And then they'll later decide, you know, something came up like there'll be plenty of reasons between when you take it and when you have to race that you end up not racing. I have another idea for Iron Man. Oh, OK. Are you ready? Uh-huh. I think they should create a later roll down system so that allows people at a certain time, maybe July, say around the time now when you have to choose your spot, July or August, where you can give away the spot to someone else and they've created a system they have to previously decide how the have, system have works. the system okay have a system that rolls it rolls in a certain way so that people who want the spot can because obviously if you went to a 70.3 and you came second you're probably good enough <laughs> to go to the think? world championships so you know you should get that chance especially if the person decides they don't want to go and and they raced back in freaking october the year before Right. And more than a year before in some cases, because, you know, qualification starts in like July for the next September. So, of course, you're not going to know what you're doing 
in 14 months. Anyway, I noticed that. I thought it was like a little annoying. I think it's going to get worse. I may be the only person in the world who's annoyed about it, or rather I may be one of 30 people in the world who are annoyed about it, but that's fine. Probably. I understand that the, speaking of slot allocation roll down, that the Kona, the allocation for the age groupers in Kona has changed. Well, the act like, okay. So, you know, when you're at a race and there's 40 slots at this race and for Kona and they, and they advertise that everywhere, how those slots get divided up to each age group. We all know, we all know it's proportional, right? It depends on how many people, Ooh, is it start or finish? I never know. It's finish, right? I don't remember. Okay. We'll say finish, whatever. And so how they divide those slots up depends on how many people finish in each age group. But the actual formula they use is like super secret, not public. No one knows what it is. But people who care, and there are a few people who care, are able to deduce the formula by who accepts the slots, how many slots there are, how many finish, right? They look at a whole spreadsheet. So they've like and they like reverse engineered the formula. Reverse engineer. And those people who reverse engineer the formula have recently found out, come to the conclusion that the formula has changed this year. And is slightly different, and it is more proportional according to according the to experts. Reverse engineer that do experts. This. That is yes. amazing. I would love to know where you got this information. Twitter, obviously. <laughs> there is um. There is a guy who does. You know how Torsten does rankings and analysis for the pros. Yeah. There is a guy. I want to say his name is Russ who does it for age groupers and he keeps track of like age group records, fastest age group times, seatings, how many slots there will be. And he says the allocation has changed. So I believe him. Interesting. So it's more, yeah, proportional. So it's, it's slightly more proportional in that, which means that whatever the secret formula is, it should benefit the age groups that are slight. Like, you know how 40 to 45 men is the biggest. They, it will, in some cases they will be getting one more slot now. And those, age groups that are i don't want to say small because you still have the one slot minimum per age group so the smallest age groups will still stay the same you know but the ones that are medium size will be slightly hurt like you know i don't know the 25 to 29 women right like what those will be seeing one fewer spot in some cases Hmm. i don't know why this is a secret do you know why this is a secret i don't know why the formula is a secret i feel like it would benefit everyone for it to be transparent. I even sat and tried to brainstorm reasons why Iron Man might not want this to be out there. And I can't, I can't even come up with like bad reasons. I think maybe because everyone bitches about everything, no matter what. Probably. Yeah. That's, that's really the only reason. Cause triathletes are going to be triathlete about it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So anyway, will I will let you know. Keep me posted. Cause I will be at Iron Man Wisconsin this weekend, by the way, if anyone's there, come say hi. And I will be keeping a sharp eye, sharp eye. On the age group group and how it works. Excellent. Okay, you can report back on that one. Um, Okay, in the newsletter this week, I liked the link about the tourists. Or I just thought I thought it was really interesting how the talk about tourists and outdoor space and how if we if more people spend time in the outdoor space, does it wreck it? Do we pave it to make it accessible? There's all kinds of questions there. Well, do you guys, I mean, we get a ton of tourists. Do you guys get a lot of tourists in Victoria? We do, yeah. We get, because I live right by uh, Mere Woods mm-hmm. and, you know, like Point Reyes and Mount. And so obviously we get just a shit ton. And it's so bad that literally if you're trying to get to Mere Woods, and this happened to me one time because I didn't, 
to me, it's just like this local place. And I didn't think about all the tourists mm-hmm. and I was trying to go. Traffic was backed up all the way up the mountain. And then it's like cars idling and honking and people so that you can go to this serene, mad, majestic Redwood Grove, which they've also had to pave a loop through so that people who like can't hike can, you know, see the Redwoods, which I get totally want to make nature accessible. But what is what is our end game, right? Like, like how what cost? accessible yeah. are we going to make it? What what is our plan here? Or last year, there was a super bloom in California, like massive flowers because of the flooding and the heat. Benefit of climate change, whatever. Super bloom. And all these people were coming to take pictures and they wanted Instagramming with the... And so they were trampling over the flowers to take pictures (laughs) of the flowers. And literally park rangers were out there having to like yell at people to stop destroying the goddamn flowers. Right. So we want more people to get to be active and spend time in nature, but we don't actually want them to go there in droves. So what do we do? What what are the solutions? I I mean... It, tourism has become such a problem in like some places in Europe. And this is in the newsletter uh, because of cheap flights, because, you know, the interconnectivity of the global universe that some places are making laws, right? They're limiting how many people can enter certain sites. They're limiting the number of like cruise ships that can dock or, you know, permits that they'll give. Like here, Mere Woods, they instituted a shuttle and there's like, so it's not just a free for all with people parking on the side of the road and like on, you know, sensitive habitats. Um, they have started to like, they have permits now for like the Yosemite hike because it was so backed up and the, the famous one, the half dome one, uh, you have to get a permit now. So there's all, there, there are like, people are starting to do stuff like that to try and regulate it. I don't know. There's also been this whole thing where, you know, if you're a social Instagrammer influencer, as I'm sure you are, Sarah. Obvious. That more and more places are asking you to be conscious about what you're putting out there, to not geotag sensitive locations and like hidden gems, right? If we all go to the same hidden gem, it's not like hidden anymore. There's a tallest tree in California, like a tallest redwood, yep. but it's secret. No one knows where it is and they don't advertise it. Huh. And people have been able to figure it out. People who like really care about this stuff, but they're always really careful not to geotag when they take a pit, right? Not to share that information, not to like put it all over the social media because they don't want to destroy, you know, the habitat around this ancient fucking tree. Right. I think, I do think there's a big education piece, you know, Mm -hmm. that needs to happen. Cause sometimes like we've talked about this before where we see people doing stuff on Instagram and then we don't understand how dangerous it is even sometimes to get to the location to do the thing, even without a mountain bike or people. In the Alps. Yes. That, that story about in the Alps actually made me think of something. I was uh, one time I was doing a training camp in Snowdonia in Wales and Snowden, like the biggest peak in Snowdonia, believe it or not. Okay. okay. Um, and we were running up there and, and <laughs> on our way up, we see a woman in high heel shoes, like walking up the mountain. Just, just like, I feel like people are missing the memo here that you can't, like, there's no way, like we had to like scramble up. Like there's no way she must've had to turn around, but I don't know how someone goes up. Cause you started a paved path and you're lulled into this sense of security. Right, right. Right. And then additionally, if you don't, if you're, if you're silly enough to be out there in high heels in the first place, you probably don't know that often it's easier to go up something than come down it. <laughs> so I had images yeah. of her like dangling with her heels, not being able to turn around. I mean, I, s- there's people in Yosemite, um, in the Valley there's a popular trail that goes up waterfalls where I saw all these women in high heels, like hiking up these rocks next to this waterfall that are like slippery from the water. You're like, what do you do? 
But your mom had some thoughts on this as well, and so she called Oh, us. she did. Hey there. Just reading today's newsletter. Particularly interested in the articles about how the increase in tourism is pretty much ruining the places the tourists want to come see. I was actually thinking about what do race directors do? I mean, you want races to be in beautiful, interesting places. How do they balance that? So like Casco Bay, where you guys did the swim run, is sort of limited just by the size of the islands. But they must do something to make sure that it doesn't ruin the location. And if your business model is bigger, 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 what if that ruins the place where the races are happening? I don't know. It's a, it's a puzzle to me. The article that I was reading in The Telegraph had this really fun quote about how they want to make compulsory climbing licenses and find people who don't have the right equipment to hike up the Alps in their jeans and gym shoes. And it says they want to, quote, limit the summer influx of ill-prepared thrill-seekers and dangerous buffoons, end quote. I think I would like to have some way to limit the influx of the ill-prepared and dangerous buffoons in my life. That would be great. You know, I would also like to get rid of the ill-prepared and dangerous buffoons in my life. <laughs> I'm not really sure how to go about that. But, uh, Debbie, if you have any tips, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Getting rid of buffoons. Yes. Okay. There was some other news this week that you wanted to talk about. I mentioned it in the newsletter, but I didn't really... Uh, talk about it a ton. Colin Kaepernick, the, I was going to say the NFL player, but he hasn't really had a contract in a few years. NFL player, the former NFL (laughs) player who was one of the first, because there was other, there was one other guy with him to kneel during the anthem as part of a protest against police brutality towards uh, black people. He signed a con. I don't want to say he signed a contract with Nike because he signed it before, but he is, has, his ad that's a better way to say it his ad premiered this week Mm -hmm. and nike is using him as their face of the 30th anniversary of the just do it campaign uh i think the slogan is what is it believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything it's like a picture of him and then there's like a full yeah it's a it's a good ad Mm -hmm. objectively guys whether or not you agree with it it's a well-done ad and there's also like a 30 or is it a minute uh like video video with a whole bunch of different people um like whether you're it's like whether you're a refugee a girl in compton like believe in something right remember serena williams had an ad in the same Mm -hmm. series about there was many ways to be a woman um, right around body image and stuff which was also really good um so anyway call it so in in reaction to these ads people started taking videos of themselves burning their nike gear i mean some people did i'm never totally sure when like the local news is covering one of these social media scandals how many people are actually doing something and how much we're playing the same for the same videos. videos right it's hard to say the question is why are people upset right why are people upset <laughs> right i think i mean there are a few reasons right people are upset because Colin Kaepernick is controversial overall, even though he doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, because they associate the kneeling uh, while the flag is up with being, you know, unpatriotic, spitting on veterans' graves, hating America, et cetera, et cetera, which I, I honestly think is a very manufactured thing. I think that it has been manufactured by higher up powers that be to capitalize on divisions between certain groups in the country. And that, that if you just, if originally we'd all just been like, yeah, this is a form of protest, like, 
all right, he he's got some points. He's allowed to do that. Cool. It like wouldn't even have been as big a deal. It would have just been a rather ineffective protest because everyone would have just said, yeah, okay. Well, I think I remember this story about because the, they kneel during the national anthem, right? Yes. So I think yes. like I remember this story being a bit of a sports story. So sports fans originally because it. it was happening for a while before a long time. This really is a couple up. years yeah. in the making, right? But I think it became national news when Donald Trump stood up against it. Right? right. And said that they should not be kneeling during the national anthem. But the whole thing was just meant to be a protest against uh, police brutality. Uh, Which so- is what a protest is, right? Like a protest is supposed to be somewhat inflammatory. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a very effective protest, right? right. It would just be like you sitting in your room or on a podcast sharing thoughts. Right. FYI. <laughs> but the other reason that? people, I think, were a little offended by the ad is that they feel that he has not sacrificed everything, that there are people who, truly sacrifice everything in that they die right for their country right as the phrase goes i don't think that anyone is saying you know because one person has sacrificed something another person has sacrificed nothing this is not a zero-sum sacrificial game but that is that is how people are reading it which you know again they're right to read it however they want that's what ad ads are all about evoking Mm -hmm. emotion Mm -hmm. And Nike knew what it was doing. Yeah, Nike. It knew the response it was going to get. <laughs> Smart business move, Nike. That is literally all I kept thinking was Nike knows what it's doing. This was a smart business move. It understood the reaction it was going to. It's not shocked. It's not surprised that you're burning their shoes. That would, that would be dumb. And Nike is not dumb. Nike has never been dumb. There is a reason they decided to go do this. And partially it's because we keep saying over and over and over that in this day and age, companies need to have a clear brand identity, right? That people no longer want to buy things. They want to buy emotions because you could buy anything. You want to buy a feeling that you're a part of something. And Nike's brand identity, it's like it's standing for something has always been very clear, right? It's a whole, it's the rebel. It's the like going against the mainstream, like standing for something, like just do it, right? That is their, Mm -hmm. that's their identity. And so whether or not that's true, because they're a fucking giant company now, it's a totally different thing, but that's what they're selling. And they're selling it very effectively here. And they know that, you know, half the people are going to think it's great. And, and that there's a reason Colin Kaepernick's jersey was still one of the best selling last year, even though he's not even on a team. Mm-hmm. And they know that there are some people that are going to hate it, but it still will get, even those people that hate it will get the media exposure, right? Mm-hmm. And covered on TV. And honestly, outrage doesn't last, right? Like, your stock dips a tiny bit, they forget in a few weeks. Nike made all these calculations. They did. I totally agree. Okay. And so, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, so everyone could just, you know, stop being outraged. <laughs> this is coming from me, who's outraged about everything. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Perfect. Okay, after the break, we're going to talk about another very controversial topic. At what age are you your athletic best? We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, Crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If We Were Writing is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So I understand, Kelly, you read an article that was... <laughs> I understand study. you read an article, Kelly. It's probably the start Tell of like every sentence. <laughs> okay, we're doing this? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing this. Uh, yeah, there was an article in the newsletter about how as you age, obviously your physical performance markers decrease, your reaction times, your strength but your experience increases. And I've read other articles about this before. So even as you're physically getting worse, you're still getting better overall in performance because you're savvier. So there's a point where like those two meet where the rising experience and the decreasing, and that's when you're your best. Right. When is that? Oh, do you think that what? you've hit that yet? Ooh, God, I fucking hope not. Right. Cause I'm still racing. So. Yeah. I don't think you have. I think you're okay, safe. Okay, good. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I also like, I'm someone who like, I tried to win Iron Man for a long time. And then I won two when I was 38. Right. right. So I feel like there's no way that was not like, I was physically probably capable of winning Iron Man for 10 years before that. Um, but just all the experience and all the other factors came together late in my thirties. They also, I've heard, haven't you heard that men peak like younger, right. And women peak older. I have heard that. And we also know from Iron Man, I mean, we know from watching the pros that there's a lot of pro women in their 40s who are still doing very well. So you think 38 maybe was, was, your, was when it all came together for you? I'm going to call it that. Yeah, I'm going to call okay, it Okay, so I have five more years. Okay. Yeah, you're good. 